Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. I'm Gareth Court, an online safety consultant for the Southwest Good for Learning, and I'm joined here today with my fabulous colleague, Carmel Glassbrook, project lead for the Professionals Online Safety Helpline, or POSH for short. Hi, Carmel. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. SWGFL is a partner of the UK Safer Internet Centre. We are a charity dedicated to empowering the safe and secure use of technology through innovative services, tools, content and policy, both nationally and globally. So welcome to today's podcast. As I mentioned, I'm delighted to have Carmel with me here today to discuss the really important work of the Professionals Online Safety Helpline. I think a good place to start, Carmel, just for those who aren't familiar with it, is if you could just briefly explain what POSH is and who it's for. Absolutely, of course. So um, as you've already mentioned, POSH stands for the Professionals Online Safety Helpline. Um, So we're a national helpline um, operating Monday to Friday, 10 to 4. We're a free service for anyone working with children and young people dealing with any online safeguarding issue. So um, primarily we support schools, but we also are available to anyone working with children and young people. So they could be uh, police officers, social workers, youth club leaders, um, you name it, um, we're there for them. Um, So primarily we deal with uh, online safeguarding issues uh, relating to young people, but we're also there as a support uh, support to the professional uh, that's working with them. So actually, um, one of the top categories of calls that we get is around online reputation of a professional. So when uh, someone leaves a bad review for a school or uh, says something mean about a teacher online, uh, we, we also get and, and, and can help with those sorts of issues. So when you say you can help with those sorts of issues, what kind of actions can the helpline take on behalf of those people affected? Of course, yes. So uh, we can offer um, signposting to other services. We uh, have a very good understanding of policy um, and um, process across industry platforms. Um, So a lot of the time what we will be doing is advising people on how to report content that shouldn't be there and or advising them on what other process they can take to resolve an issue. But a really unique strength that we have on the helpline is our our connections and our relationships with industry. Uh, And what that means is that when there is a piece of content online that really shouldn't be there, um, and it's, you know, we've tried to report it and it won't get removed, um, we have the really unique opportunity to be able to reach out to someone within that organisation and give them a bit more of a background context as to why something needs to be removed and request that that is, ha- uh, that that is actioned. Um, if you've ever tried to report something on Facebook or Instagram or, or wherever, wherever before, you might notice that your issue doesn't quite fit 
um, as neatly into one of their very little boxes about what that problem is. So, um, uh, and it's often very difficult to kind of put uh, put forward what is happening behind the content. So if there is background context, um, that's often quite difficult to share with the platform. So that's where we can step in um, and, and, and help kind of uh, in, inform and, and get action removed that way. And the other side of that is that we work very closely with them to help them develop policy um, and things moving forward. So um, we're very unique and lucky in that in that relationships that we have really important relationship and and as you just mentioned they're quite reciprocal as well in that the the networks can actually learn about the issues that can that can face both the young people on their platform but also the professionals as well now at the time of uh, recording this podcast which is just at the start of may we're all sort of currently still in lockdown and and one of the purposes for doing this podcast now was to try and give listeners a bit of an insight into how the current situation may have affected the the work that the helpline is doing and the type of contact that you're getting from schools. So uh, could you give us any insight into into what kind of issues schools are facing at the moment in in these very different times and the way that children and both adults are using the internet more than ever before? Sure. Uh, I mean, and uh, we're all going through it. I mean, luckily, I'm I'm here today and my dog is not here. So we hopefully we won't be by her. But that's been a challenge for me and I'm sure for many people across the, the, the country. Uh, um, but yes, uh, schools, um, obviously, a lot of schools are closed, but a lot of schools are still open. And then there's a, 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 a very uh, varied experience from professionals giving us a call. Um, and, and how we're seeing that reflected on the helpline um is again quite varied and, and and a bit all over the place so i think um a few weeks ago we had very very minimal contacts and then within one week that almost tripled um and 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 now we're kind of leveling out a little bit again um but i think uh, it is really affecting uh schools obviously in terms of uh how how they're educating and, and how much they can um, so there's quite a lot of pressure on schools to continue um, some form of education online, um, whether that's using video conferencing platforms or just sending out worksheets and videos and, and that sort of thing. Um, but there's a, a lot of pressure to continue that education. In terms of the type of, uh, in terms of the volume of contacts, like I said, it is very varied. Um, but with schools trying to maintain education of young people online, um, and there being quite a lot of pressure from parents and wider community to do so, we're finding that what schools are jumping in with both feet, um, and perhaps the the safeguarding implications that come with that are, are a bit uh, of a second thought. Um, and so when we are receiving calls, we're trying to um, help advise them. But sometimes it's actually uh, past the point where they, you know, they've already started doing online lessons. And now we have to try and work backwards, as it were. So you you mentioned that obviously schools are having to have to practice online learning and distance learning in a way that they never have before and we do actually have guidance about uh, safer remote learning on the SWGFL website that provides lots of uh, useful guidance and information for schools considering using different types of platforms are there any particular issues that you've seen come out with regards to young people themselves and their use of the internet during this period of lockdown you know that's a really good question and one that I've been asked um, several times um, and I think that really it's it's really hard to judge. Well, in the last few weeks, while all this has been going on, like I said, our, our, our calls have been kind of all over the place, but about 90% of them, I would say, are all related to online learning and the pandemic. So it's how do we set up this lesson? What's the right platform to use? What are the safeguarding implications um, in order to try and 
kind of maintain that education. What we're not hearing, which we usually hear, are about the individual safeguarding incidents happening around those young people. I would say over the last few weeks, only a handful of calls have been related to an actual safeguarding incident. Whereas, you know, compared with this time last year, uh, we were still we receiving um, slightly less calls, but they were all safeguarding incidents or things that were happening in real time that we needed to help resolve. We're not hearing that. And um, I'm not naive enough to think that those incidents aren't happening. But obviously, children aren't able to communicate with their schools and their teachers in the same way that they would. And so perhaps they're not hearing about it. And so neither are we. And, and, and that for me is quite a concern, you know, rather than focusing on the concerns that we are hearing, I'm really concerned about what we're not hearing, because I'm absolutely sure things are happening. Um, and even more so in lockdown with, uh, you know, potentially always being connected to the internet and uh, especially for young young children that have parents that are trying to work from home that probably aren't having that level of supervision every day that they would be if they were in school. On the back of that was that when we are hearing about safeguarding concerns over the last few weeks, these are typically things that have been rumbling on for months (laughs) um, and perhaps haven't quite found a resolution yet. And so um, professionals or teachers are looking back over over the work that they've done and seeing if there's anything more they can do. So a lot of the things that we are dealing with are quite historic um, and, and aren't necessarily reactions to what's happening right now thank you so that's that's a really interesting point and, and good to see that schools are covering covering the ground that they've already tra- trodden is that a word uh, <laughs> that they've already trod uh, in order to in order to make sure that they've done everything possible to safeguard children and young people would you consider young people then to potentially be more vulnerable in this current situation as we mentioned they're they're at home, they're using the internet more, both for learning and for entertainment and, for, of course, for communication. Um, but you're saying you, you get the, the impression that the teachers and professionals aren't hearing about some of the issues that, that will be taking place in online services. So would you say they're more vulnerable as a result? Oh, abs- absolutely. I think um, there's a real value in going to school every day for a lot of kids as well. There's value in it for them and their whole family. Everyone gets that time uh, apart from each other which I'm sure we'll all really appreciate um, is, is, is quite uh, valuable um, but you know the, the social interaction um, having someone else to talk to um, and you know there, I think there, it's, uh, there's an assumption that everyone's parent is always uh, doing the rest, best thing for them and we know that that's not true and we know that a lot of children that perhaps don't have the best relationships at home heavily rely on the pastoral support at school and so if that is now kind of being uh, less available or, or, or a bit more difficult to access, they're, of course, um, vulnerable, vulnerable to, um, to greater harm, I believe. Um, as, and, and, you know, as well as that, just kind of being online all day, perhaps not having um, a routine to stick to, that's, that's damaging um, for everyone's kind of uh, welfare and well-being but certainly younger vulnerable children um, we have heard and I have heard anecdotally of uh, particularly lonely children uh, being more vulnerable to online sexual exploitation at this time um, and you know that's not particularly radical um, I think anyone can kind of put two and two together and come up with that but um, you know while there's an awareness that that might be happening there's a real 
uh, feeling of impotence amongst professionals being able to actually do anything about it. Um, yes, they could potentially Skype call the, the young person and check in, um, but that's not really an equivalent to that face-to-face being able to see the child, that obviously is very valuable to a lot of people and, and they're all missing out on that. So absolutely, I think that, that children are more vulnerable at this time. So that's that's a really good point you make there. And and I think most people can understand that, particularly with um, the rise of vulnerability to, uh, you know, adults online or others who may seek to to exploit uh, vulnerable young people. I guess it kind of ties back into to what you're also saying about things around say domestic abuse um you know there's lots of reasons why children can end up being vulnerable uh but we've we've seen reports already in recent weeks haven't we about the rise of domestic abuse uh either just between adults or also directed towards children and of course children seeing domestic abuse Mm -hmm. happening as well has an impact on them so so it'd be really naive i think wouldn't it to to suggest that children obviously affected by that aren't going to be vulnerable but also all the other stuff that that we know children run into online and have issues with things like online bullying uh incidents of sexting and intimate image abuse other online issues that affect their mental health and well-being it would be rather naive to just kind of expect that none of those things are, are happening anymore absolutely just right. you know they absolutely it. are and i think that there's a big um at the moment everyone's affected by covid19 including the online platforms that we use so in terms of making reports and stuff um children may be trying to make reports but not really getting an answer you know very quickly everything's slowed down and that may leave some children to feel even less supported than they would usually be um, in terms of, of, of taking action on, on something so certainly it's a, it's a it's a it's a scary time for a lot of people I think definitely and and one of the things we've done at SWGFL is to offer our whisper service free of charge to all schools in the UK so that they have an anonymous reporting route for young people to express those concerns so so really hope of course that the young people feel that they can talk to an adult either a trusted adult at home but of course if that's if that's not uh, relevant or that's not going to be helpful then of course being able to reach out to those trusted adults that they have in their school mm. community as well what what kind of tips then would you give to school staff and professionals on how they can support children and help children to be safer in this current climate um i think uh you know uh, while i just said it you know there is a there's a, a lack in response i think um Giving children the tools to be able to report and know when to report and how is is really useful. Um, So kind of familiarising yourself on those sorts of things. Using sites like we do have RHC um, so that people can educate themselves on what reports they can make and also get help when their reports don't work. I think, um, you know, this is perhaps not a very popular opinion, but I think uh, second to all of that is about building and establishing a routine that doesn't involve hours on your phone or laptop, just scrolling mindlessly. Um, if schools and, and professionals can support their young people to do that, that I think that would be invaluable. You know, having having a time that you actually wake up in the morning and then what you do, um, setting and establishing a routine is going to be really important for people's uh, well-being and their mental health. While being online is great and fun and exciting and it has lots of benefits, um, I personally myself know that I need quite a lot of time off my phone during the day. And actually, if I do spend all day scrolling through Instagram or whatever, I'm not going to feel happier by the end of the day. So having having that understanding and realising that actually 
taking some time out is, is also a really healthy thing to do. Great advice. Thank you. And, and we were just chatting before this podcast, weren't we, about how the idea of being able to work from home and, you know, have access to, to your device and the internet whenever you want and kind of structure your own time around working and entertainment and social media and stuff sounds great in principle. But, but the reality of it after a number of weeks isn't isn't quite so rosy and perfect as everyone pictured. No. And I think even, you know, as adult and as professionals, it's really hard. So asking a child to do that is going to be difficult, but maybe we can give them um, the tools to to, to to at least try. Um, but also, you know, not holding yourself to it too much. If you if you don't do the set amount of hours of work that you needed to do that day, maybe that's okay. We all need a little bit of slack right now. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think we have to understand these are unprecedented times and, and we all cope with them in different ways. Just, we've obviously spoken quite a bit about uh, young people and the vulnerability they may face online in the current situation, the kind of issues they may face. Have you seen any change in the issues regarding staff during this period? You mentioned earlier online reputation is, is a key one that the helpline usually deals with. Has that particular issue dropped off or been replaced by other ones in the last five, six weeks or so? Um, well, I think uh, it's a bit of a mixture. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of pressure on individual staff and schools at the moment from uh, the wider community and parents to to be that kind of uh, place of support and, and a beacon of hope for everyone. And obviously that is going to be um, quite draining for some people. Um, so certainly hearing a lot of um, uh, pressure from, from teachers to, to be there, um, especially for schools that perhaps aren't open having to uh, fill out a sheet every hour to say what work you've done and submit it to your head teacher. I think that that's been quite a burden for some people. Um, and um, the pressure from parents and the wider community to continue education in the same way as it would have been um, were we not all living through a, a global pandemic. Um, it's, un it's an unreasonable request, but of course, you know, it's challenging for schools to, to tell a parent that. Um, and especially for uh, parents of schools where they're actually paying tuition fees. Um, so I think that, that that's, a, that's a new challenge. Um, what we're seeing is uh, rather than individual teachers being kind of, you know, uh, drawn out online in that way, um, some, more as a whole school having negative backlash from parents. So, well, you know, why my, my older child goes to secondary school and he's got six hours of Zoom classes a day, but why is my five-year-old who goes to primary school got anything other than a worksheet? Well, you know, there, there, uh, there are quite a lot of intricacies and difficulties there in facilitating that kind of thing for every child. And certainly not every school is equipped to do so. Um, but parents are, uh, you know, uh, struggling just as much as we are at home with with kids trying to work and homeschool whatever. So, of course, they want that kind of support from the school, um, but it's just not possible for every school. So that that I think is adding a new a new layer of kind of um, pressure and, and, and difficulties on 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 schools and uh, teachers individually completely understandable and as a parent of three children I, I hold my hand up and said I I kind of know how it feels on both sides of it and I think it's it's right to take this point really just to recognize the amazing job that I think schools have been doing during this situation in terms of keeping that education going as you mentioned but also doing everything possible to safeguard children as well and actually I was, I was talking recently to our colleagues uh, at Southwest Grid about um, the complexity of this as lockdown starts to be lifted because of course not all children are going to go straight back into school uh, they may prioritize various year groups such as year 10 and year 12 and year mm -hmm. 6 
with primary and secondary. Um, and then for teach poor old teachers, that, that potentially gets even more logistically complicated because not only are they going to have to structure the, the education and the teaching for those children that are physically in school, but there are going to be a number of children who still are at home and are still going to need that online distance learning as well. Mm. So have you got any sort of tips for, for staff about how to... <laughs> how to how to keep going really throughout all of this? <laughs> um, uh, I think absolutely put welfare first. Um, I think one of my one of my concerns moving forward is that yes, when this does ease off and when we are um, going back into inverted commas normal life, whatever that is and whatever that will look like at that time. What we don't want is to staff our schools with a load of uh, teachers that are completely burnt out and don't have any fight left in them. Um, so I think um, making sure that everyone's welfare is actually the priority um, and making sure that flexibility is available to everyone where possible um, is, is really important. Practicing what we preach, you know, if we're telling kids to not be hard on themselves, then you need to do that too. Um, if we're telling kids to have established routines and try and stick to them and, and and look after themselves, we need to be we need to be doing that too. We need to kind of display to them what what surviving a pandemic looks like. <laughs> uh, I know none of us are quite sure about that. What that is really, but um, uh, you know, we need to try and set an example here. So um, absolutely follow the advice that you're giving your children as well. I think. Really sage advice, and and I think anyone listening who does work with children will know that sometimes there is that temptation to always put children first. But you're absolutely right. You know, practicing what you preach and looking after yourself is just as important during this this situation as well. Uh, Carmel, if people want to get in touch with the helpline, how can they do so? Yeah, the phone line is still operating Monday to Friday, ten to four. Uh, or you can email us on helpline at safeinternet.org.uk. Um, we are operating just as just as we usually would be um but there is only one phone and there is only me so if you can't get through first time please do leave me a voicemail and i'll get back to you as soon as i can um we're doing our absolute best <laughs> fantastic brilliant come out you're doing an amazing job at the helpline as are our colleagues on our um, report harmful content helpline and revenge porn helplines thank you for for taking the time to answer these questions for me today thank you so before we finish up, if you do have a question or issue that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, please do get in touch by emailing podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Uh, Carmel, when Jess and I do these podcasts together, we always like to give listeners a, a recommendation at the end of uh, something to read or watch or listen to. Have you got a recommendation for our listeners? Well, I was going to say this, uh, you know, if we're on theme there's some really great podcasts at the moment um being turned out i was going to recommend the guilty feminist um i really like that one anyway but the most recent episode also has a cameo from my new favorite up-and-coming artist who's uh, joy crooks beautiful voice um a really amazing woman so that's a, that's a great lesson and you know i've really been indulging in some reality tv recently because i find it that's the most night mind-numbing stuff and great. um Gemma collins diva on lockdown is my new favorite binge watch um because it's just just stupid and that's just really lightly for the moment <laughs> is that what we call a backhanded compliment i'm not entirely sure yeah, I'm not <laughs> really. about that review but she's she's really getting me through <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sure she'll be delighted to hear that. Great <laughs> recommendations. Thank you. Uh, just one recommendation from me, continuing on the podcast theme. I finally got around to listening to uh, the podcast that uh, went up on the BBC a while ago, but it's a, a really interesting one called The Missing Crypto Queen, which is uh, a 
done by Jamie Bartlett and a colleague. And it's all about uh, a story of a lady who invented a cryptocurrency and used it to scam people the world over out of uh, millions and millions of dollars. And it's a really it's a fascinating story uh, with lots of twists and turns as well. So so definitely worth a listen. And uh, an example of sometimes how a fact can be stranger than fiction as well. Oh, God, yeah. So, <laughs> so thank you for listening to this SWGFL podcast. If you found our podcast helpful, then please do spread the word to your fellow educators. This podcast is free to download and is available on most casting apps. Remember, as Carmel mentioned, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk or by calling 0344 381 Four seven seven two. Remember, as Carmel mentioned, there is reduced capacity. It's just her on the end of the phone, but she will try and get back to you as soon as possible if you do need to ring. And remember, if you have a question or topic that you'd like us to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. Remember, a better internet starts with you. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. This Safeguarding Children online podcast has been produced by SWGFL. Southwest Grid for Learning is a charity that has specialised in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the national centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit www.swgfl.org.uk. Thanks for listening.